Welcome to the Leverage Your Potential podcast. This podcast is hosted by the director and assistant director of Menlo College's Office of Internships, Career Services, and Study Abroad, Dylan Hool and Kelly Davis, in partnership with Menlo's Content Creation Club. Welcome to the Young Alumni's panel. Um, my name is Ashley, and I'm the student government president this year. And Hi, guys. Um, I'm Josh, your SGA vice president. Yeah, and we'll be hosting this session. And yeah, basically what this session is, it's um, a look at what our recent alumni are up to, how they navigated the adulting life, how they transitioned from Menlo to the workforce, um, how they navigated just some of those things that come along with being an adult, student loans, finding a job, leaving a job, and just managing their work and their life. And yeah, we hope that you get some very insightful um, discussion points from this panel. And yeah, the way that this will go is that um, student government has created a few pre-made questions um, for the panel that we'll be going through. And if you have any questions after watching this that you would like to get answered by some of our alumni, please feel free to message the MCSGA at menlo.edu email and we can send those over to them and they can answer your questions or get in contact with you. So yeah, with that, we will begin. First, we're gonna have each of our alumni introduce themselves. Um, so just their name, the year they graduated and where they're currently working. Um, Caitlin, do you wanna start? Sure, so my name is Caitlin Sorensen. I just graduated, so I graduated in the class of 2019. I am now working for a consulting firm called Cunningham Collective, and that is based out of San Francisco. So currently still up here. Awesome. I'm just choosing the order that I have it on my screen. Um, <laughs> I thought that was special. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm Richard Runkle Edens. I graduated 2019 just like Caitlin. Um, I'm current. I've been pinballing around Europe for like the last year, um, back and forth between California, and now I landed a gig as a startup manager, a, a manager, a project manager for a startup um, based out of Hungary. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. I'm. I was supposed to start in May going over there, but now we are working remotely. Awesome. Great. Chelsea, you're up. Hey, um, I'm Chelsea Garcia. I graduated in 2017. Um, I am a recently converted TVC, so that means I started at Google on a contract, and now I am a full-time employee. So I work for an actual life science company called Verily under the Alphabet umbrella. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And lastly, Maxwell. Hey everyone, I'm Maxwell, graduated class of 2018, studied finance, and I work in venture capital. And like so many others, I am stuck at home working remotely. So luckily that means I'm still close to Memo, but I'm not headed over there anytime soon. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. Super interesting to hear where you are. You're all super recent too, which is great. Really have some fresh perspective. And yeah, I guess we can get started with the questions. The first topic that we have is um, transitioning out of college. So the first question is, how was the transition from Menlo College into the workforce? Um, I guess, when did you start applying to jobs as kind of a senior at Menlo 
what are some trends you might have saw, um, position types, like that kind of thing. How did you decide to go where you are right now? And anyone can answer this question if you feel passionate about it. <laughs> So I'll start. Uh, for me, the transition was, um, I was very fortunate uh, to be in a good position when I was transitioning into the full-time workforce. Uh, for the key to my uh, success on that front was my internships. So who you know these days is definitely a currency, uh, ever more so now. And so for me, it was really just kind of easy to transition from student who had been an intern for this company for a few months to full time. And it actually really was that simple. And I think the real key, uh, important takeaway from my transition story is, uh, you know, if uh, utilize your internships to, to the max of their ability or in your ability, uh, even if it's just like something that's temporary, like a summer, find a way to stay in touch with them, maybe see if you can do some part time ongoing work for them throughout the school year. That's actually what I did. And it's just good to kind of stay in touch and you get a little bit more experience and hopefully maybe you're even getting paid. And, and when it comes time to, to find a full time job, you would be in a good position to do that because they know you and they'll know your work products and these sorts of things. So that's what I did. To um, piggyback off of that, um, I didn't get my job. I was actually very fortunate as well where I had a job before graduation lined up. But instead of me finding it through an internship, I actually got my job from a class that I took at Memo. So my boss and the owner of Cunningham Collective is Andy Cunningham and she's on the board of trustees at Menlo. She decided to she decided to help out Menlo and teach us course. And so a few of us were had to apply to get into the course and we developed a marketing campaign for Menlo. And um, similar to what Maxwell said is, I worked very closely with her. I was a project manager for that. And she was able to really see what skills that I had and how I work, my workflow process. And I remember I was struggling with applying for jobs and wasn't getting much of a bite here and there. I had, I thought I was gonna become an event planner and got turned down from my, um, my dream, what I thought was my dream job. And then, so I reached out to Andy and I was like, hey, can you please help me? Um, leverage me out to your network, please. You know how I work. And she was like, funny you say that. I actually want to offer you a job um, at my company. So it all worked out. And the moral of my story, similar to Maxwell's, is just leverage any type of network you have. Menlo is a huge source. There are so many hidden gems within Menlo itself. And I was fortunate enough to work very closely to one of those gems. But um, it's, it's amazing what you can do when you put yourself out there, apply to a class that you know nothing about and it could turn out to a great opportunity. Awesome, thank you, Caitlin. Anyone else wanna take a jab at that question before we move on? Yeah, sure, I'll jump in really fast. Um, just because I have a little bit of a different experience when I transitioned out of Menlo. So um, I did too also have an internship and then I worked through a part-time job with them after the internship was completed. And when I graduated, I was still looking for a job just because I did not want to be in financial advising. And that's what my internship is. I was a marketing major selling life insurance. Um, something that was really, really important that Memo set me up for a success for was the resources for my resume. So putting my resume online in the Silicon Valley. So I use Indeed. Um, monster.com anywhere that i can get exposure to my resume because the tech culture is so 
contract driven at first. That's how I got my job. Uh, two days before graduation, somebody called me, a recruiter saying, hey, you know, I just saw your resume online. Um, I would love to connect and see if, if you might be eligible, eligible for this job. And they didn't tell me what company it was until I got to the interview. And they're like, oh, this is an interview at Google. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not prepared for it. But you know, Menlo really prepared me in the way my resume was set up, my internship was required, so I already had that type of experience. Um, it, the cue was really getting my you know, skills out there for, for more people to see and then them ask me. And from that interview, there was only two more as a contractor. It's a little bit easier than a full-time role where there are seven interviews. Um, but by the second interview, that in, within less than 24 hours, I was received, I was offered um, a contract role. So that is my suggestion is once your resume is fully ready, put it out there, um, make sure that your contact information is up to date because you never know who's going to find you, especially when you're trying to stay within the Silicon Valley because that's how a lot of the, these tech companies work out these days. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I would like to go to, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the way I got my job is through a kind of a crazy long story, but uh, long story short, and like I will, I'll summarize it, I didn't apply for any jobs. I networked my experiences and connections all the way back to when I went to Europe in 2018 as a student studying abroad. So um, like a big thing that was important to me was like at some point after college, I wanted to work in Europe and I want to live in Europe. And I basically, when, when I went to university in uh, at UFB in Madrid, Spain, I said, okay, I'm going to make as many connections with people that I can cultivate many friendships and experiences. And so that's what I decided to do. Um, so, and I did, I stayed in touch with professors. I stayed in touch with friends. I actually made one of my best friends from that. And during that time, there was a conference that happened in Europe um, for a lifestyle development uh, thing. And I was like, I wanna go to that because that's kind of what I'm interested in. And I've always been fascinated by that stuff. And since I was 15, that was like the thing I've like always been studying. And basically I contacted my family and said, I'm going to this conference. I'm going to invest in this. I think it'll be really good for me. And my mom was fully supportive. She said, do it. And so I hopped on a train like right after finals and I got all the way to the Eastern side of Europe. And I got to this city that I never heard of really much before. It was Budapest, Hungary. And from that, I went to this conference and I had a, such an amazing experience. But from it, I made a really key connection. And for, because of that, I was able to get back to Budapest a year later. And from that key connection, I met another person who introduced me to another person who ended up to be my current boss. And that whole thing was just me showing my true self and really connecting with people and also being very honest in like what I wanted. Um, I, didn't, I didn't ever show my resume to anybody. I never really talked about my professional experience, but I've talked about what I learned. And I emphasize lots of things I learned at Menlo that weren't necessarily uh, what people deemed as the professional, like critique, resume, things of like my internship and such, but things such as like how I absorb information, how to figure out what I'm interested in, how to actually look at a problem, actually stuff that I engaged with in my daily times at 
Menlo. So yeah, that's like what my experience was. I just networked and leveraged what experiences I had. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, you guys just blasted through like our last, our next question too, which was kind of just advice on applying to um, jobs. You guys kind of all gave the answer to that, which is amazing. So I think we're going to move on to um, career advice next, which Josh is, which Josh is going to take on for the next set of questions. Yeah, thank you for that. I was definitely inspired from all of the different stories that you all have and kind of just how Menlo, um, how Menlo has played a different role in your lives and trying to get your career started after graduation. Um, so let's talk about some career advice. You guys are all young um, uh, people starting their career. Um, as the senior class or even other individuals, what are um, what was the most surprising thing you experienced that you wish you would have known before starting your current career? Whether that's like learning how to maintain that work-life balance, um, learning to say no because sometimes that may happen. Your uh, boss may throw on a lot of um, throw on a lot of tasks on you, and like how much is too much? Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? And um, I can I can start with this one. Um, I so what I do is my company goes into mostly tech companies, of course, because not only are we in Silicon Valley, but we just attract a lot of technology companies. And so in school, and knowing that I wanted to work in this area, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I did not keep in touch with technology at all like at all. I didn't subscribe to any newsletters. Like I didn't look at TechCrunch at all. And so when I came in, my first client was Xerox. I don't know if you guys remember Xerox, but they have a lot of technology. <laughs> and so I was completely overwhelmed by how much I didn't know. Um, a major imposter syndrome kicked in because everyone else in my company, one of our principals in the company was an, uh, is an engineer. So very familiar with all this language, very familiar with every technology that all these companies that we're using are using. And as a marketer, you need to become as knowledgeable, if not more knowledgeable than the company that you're marketing for. And so I just came in completely overwhelmed. So my advice is that if you are interested in working in this area, regardless if you're, you want to aim for a tech company or you're like, no, not a tech company, you never know what path you're going to come across. And so I thought as a marketer, no way, or an event planner, no way I'll go into technology, but that's all we do as a company. And so just becoming familiar with the language, keeping up with trends, what's, what even funding rounds, like becoming familiar with that type of language is going to be extremely helpful, extremely helpful when you, especially if you want to stay in this area. Thanks for that, Katie. That was a great advice because I remember having our small conversations in the Office of Student Affairs and just talking about like, no, we're not into tech. So it's right. good advice to understand that even if you're thinking about working in Silicon Valley, regardless of the um, sector or industry that you go in, always get that knowledge in. Absolutely. Anyone else want to chime in on that question? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, for me, it's people are people. So I had this like really stupid belief in like limited mindset or basically like I just assumed that every single person who was like in a business who was certified at some kind of position was 
perfect at their job. Mm-hmm. That's not true uh, at all. Because like when I did my internship during the summer of 2018, like I was extremely like I want I was paying attention to the people around me and like like uh, learning from them and absorbing what they were doing and comparing like what the different things that they were thinking about like how they approach certain things and how they did their work and also like their work life balance. But as that internship end and I got into work here in Europe, basically I started to realize people like are super imperfect and won't answer to emails sometimes because they sim- it simply slips their mind or something like um, they'll make a promise but completely forget about that promise, but they still really want to fulfill that or they'll make, they'll take on too much work at once, or um, maybe they're stressed out from work. And I started to realize like, look, I can't expect the best, or I can expect the best that I can see from a person and to be honest and to always have the best intentions. But of course, always be realize if someone messes up, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Um, And it's something to be aware of that you shouldn't get angry or frustrated over because I was so frustrated when somebody didn't like get back to me about some far part about like the accounting and finances of our new startup. And then I realized like, okay, wait a minute. I know their position. They're stressed out. They have like 14 clients, some insane amount of clients. I get it. Okay. Let me see if I can work on my end some bit of that and then get back to them and see if like something can happen from that. Um, so for me, it's simply just, yeah, just don't get frustrated over the little things. People are people like you're going to have slip ups and you'll actually become very productive from that, from my experience. Cause people go, whoa, like he's going to get that work done somehow. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great mentality and a great, um, great advice. Chelsea, Max. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have some points that I really kind of touch upon Caitlin's advice. Um, so for me, being a venture capitalist, the job is in finance and investments. Uh, that's kind of like the broad uh, overview. But I, and I knew from my internships, because I had uh, multiple internships in venture capital and private equity, that there's also an element of obviously meeting entrepreneurs and business etiquette and talking with people, reviewing pitch decks. Uh, I remember when I first started full time being how surprised uh, how much legal, uh, uh, how much of a legal aspect there was. And for me, like I did well when I took the business law course with John Harding at Menlo, but I, I guess I wish I could have allowed myself to do uh, digest it more or maybe even take it more seriously. And again, like I did well in the class, but it was kind of like that thing where it's like, uh, or like when I was a student at Menlo, the mindset maybe at the time was, I just need to take that class because it's a graduation requirement, not necessarily realizing how much, uh, and how, how valuable it is, how important it is, and it applies for many jobs. And so I guess, uh, as Caitlin said, like, you know, you never know, like, what to expect. Like, for her, it was more tech. For me, it was legal. Uh, be prepared for uh, to be involved in a lot of different things. And that's actually a good thing if you think about it. And kind of also, this relates to Richard's points of having a growth mindset. Uh, if you're feeling uh, uh, maybe anxious or maybe feeling a sense of imposter syndrome because you don't know... Uh, or you weren't expecting to be involved in this aspect of the job, uh, well, there's an opportunity to grow and, and develop some skills, whether it's soft skills, hard skills, maybe more specific industry knowledge. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my two cents. Absolutely. Yeah, honestly, they did they did a great job. I, my advice is all, all of what they kind of just said. So 
I'll let, I'll let you go on to the next question before I jump in. <laughs> it was great advice, that's for sure. Um, exactly. So I know most of you are kind of in your first like set of jobs, considering we're all uh, you guys are all um, new to your career. But what are your thoughts on this? Um, the idea that your first job won't necessarily be your last job. Um, so how do you know when to stay? when to go or like what to think about when thinking about that next step i'll jump on jump on this one just because i graduated in 2017 so i've been in the workforce for about three years now um starting off as a vendor i didn't have like a two-year limit which is pretty unique for the tech company world and tvcs um but there was a time where I was like, hey, you know, this is where I started. I started as a new product strategist where I was doing a lot of product testing, outbound cold calls, um, really getting into the product marketing realm. And then when I realized that I needed to take a step forward, I actually started to have conversations with my managers. I'm like, I enjoy X, Y, and Z, but this is where I am looking to grow. Is, that, is there a place for me to explore these options, you know? what are different routes that we can take before I decide that I want to start looking for another job. Luckily, after about a month after that initial conversation, an opportunity did open up for me where I became the program's team lead. So uh, I was able to really grow those program management, project management skills and making sure that diversity and inclusion was fully integrated into the program that I was on, which was amazing. So I absolutely loved my experience there. But after about a year and a half again, I started to feel that, okay, what can I do now? And I have had mentors before who told me every year you get a new job, so you get paid twice as much as you want. But for me, it was really important to know what skills am I currently developing in my role and what skills do I want to develop in my next role? It was never really about the money because the money is going to come and it's, it's, it can be daunting if all you're focusing on is, oh, I only make X amount of money and I want to be making this amount of money. You totally forget about how your mental health is at work, how much you're enjoying your team. So I was lucky enough to really draw a map of what it is that I want. So my now full-time role within the alphabet umbrella is something that I'm super passionate about. Uh, life science is definitely a much better route than product tech, just because being so focused on revenue and money and, you know, making money from the man wasn't something I was really passionate about. So being able to take a step back and realize, okay, I'm not growing here anymore. This is the way that I need to grow in the future. And then you know, having a relationship where I can trust my manager to tell her how I'm feeling um, and have them utilize me and my skills and who they know to make sure that I land in the direction that I'm supposed to go. So I would say overall is whenever you feel like you've reached that point, take a step back, uh, reflect on what it is that you really have done and where it is that you want to go because every step that you take is for you know, like Josh said, it's not where you're gonna, it's not where your science where you're gonna end up. And it's kind of a, a crazy thought to think that right now is not gonna be the end, but it's also the most exciting part. So be open, have conversations. And I think that Richard was super right. It just felt like being genuine, showing up. Uh, people are people and 
we forget that when we're so focused on business and how can we help and what can we do but it's it's a really nice surprise to know that people will you know put their hand out for you if you ask nice thank you chelsea katie richard or max you want to take a stab or um yeah i can um I'm in a bit of a unique position where I feel like I want to stay at this company forever. So <laughs> um, sometimes you hit the gold mine. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but what I would say is just I like loved everything that Chelsea said because what that really is is just seeing where you can add value and seeing what value that job can give to you. So in my in my case, I my I look at my boss like she is the marketer, like the marketing maven. And so she's worked with Steve Jobs and she helped him launch Next and the Macintosh. And so just pulling from all her knowledge is really where I find value in the company and that, and that's something that I want to continuously learn on. And so just whenever you're looking for a job or you're at the point where you're saying, okay, I'm providing value, but no value is being returned to me. That's where you need it. That's exactly when you need to do what Chelsea said and take a step back and say, is this the right path for me? Is this where I want to go down? Do I want to continue here or do I want to look in another, a whole nother direction? Who knows? Maybe you want to go into finance or accounting all of a sudden and you started marketing. So it's just seeing, it's all about the value and that's honestly, it's, it's then going to turn over into positivity with mental health as well because nothing is worse than just feeling really down on yourself imposter syndrome is completely real and that really has a toll on you so um just always don't feel i would just reiterate like never feel like you're stuck somewhere too it's really important that you don't really owe anyone anything like you it's all it's you it's best to look out for you and you don't have to stay with a job just because you signed on like if you if you think that that is not the spot for you. Get out. You don't have anything. You made your friends. You have their numbers. Next. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Richard, Max? Um, I think the one piece of advice that I just kind of given the context that we're living in now and thinking about the larger economy and unfortunately like a lot of jobs actually are kind of disappearing. Um, looks like we're already in a recession. Possibly could be a really bad recession. If you've got a job, I definitely would stick with it. Um, there's always circumstances where you maybe should leave, but if you've got a job, definitely be grateful for it. Uh, I would say stay focused on it be and making sure that you're just contributing as much as you can. Uh, because this is definitely hitting every industry. Uh, this is definitely hitting every country. So it's, and, and we're going to see and not know the effects of this for, for more months to come. So um, I, I think that's just something to consider. Perfect. Thank you. Um, for me, it has to do with it, whatever job you do, there must be a meaningful purpose for it. And what I mean by that is like, I like what Maxwell really said, cause I've been thinking that a ton, like our, basically our economy is shifting and we're going to this recession and it's going to be changing down the line and people's work lives are changing with that. People have to stay home, basically, had to really realize that there's going to be a shift in priorities and values for being a human being on planet Earth. And so for me, like when I was took up this job, I knew it's like not going to be a permanent job for me. I also took it because I knew the it. it's not a permanent job, 
but it's aiding me on the movement towards what I deem to be my purpose in my life. And that's something very personal for me that I'm actually working on as a side project. But the thing is, if I want to do that, if I want to make that my career, I have to funnel that with some money. I have to keep me going. I have to keep the engine smoking. But the only way I'm going to do that is if I actually have work that I'm going to work behind and not just like lag. Like, for example, you could have a job in the sense of like, okay, like it's not your dream job and it's not something that you're truly passionate about, but it could be a job where it's, it leads you towards moving towards that. For example, um, say you found this really awesome opportunity and actually is in line with a lot of values that you have. However, you know, it's not the ideal thing for you. Well, the way I see it is if that's, if this opportunity will aid me on that. Oh, oh man. Did Richard just pause or drop? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> me? No. You're on and off, Richard. Um, um, Back. My connection is good. <laughs> um, how about now? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm saying simply is, does it serve something? For example, like a lot of people who have family members and like have children, they have to think about, does this job that I'm doing serve my family during this crisis? And if that's the priority for you, which it should be, like make that the purpose of that job. Um, so for me, it's like, I will, stop, I will stop a job when I realize the purpose has been served for me. And um that can come in different shapes and forms different values different ways and mechanics and how that's shaped but don't take a job if it's not gonna if it's not gonna aid you in your journey mm. and that journey's fun if it's not fun to some extent in some way of course you're gonna have hard days but if you're not enjoying some element of that journey then it's not your journey that's someone else's story given to you so choose that and i'm really serious about that like that's highly important I don't, I think a lot of people that I've met just taken jobs recently that they're like, well, it just like pays the bills. I'm like, I get that. I totally get that. But then what are you moving towards? Mm -hmm. And if you're not moving towards something, then you're not, then you're stuck. So I think it's highly important. And that's kind of what the industry that I've gone into is like, what are you looking towards? Lork, do what you need to do now. Take your responsibility, but also look towards what you need to look towards or what absolutely. you want to look towards. Absolutely. I love this idea between all of your answers of just kind of doing what you got to do so you're growing and you're learning, you know. Um, I think that's a very important takeaway for our viewers who are watching this on the other side. Um, Ash, we're going we're gonna to move on to the next uh, section about student loans and finances. Ash. Yeah, online. Woo. <laughs> All right, so starting off with a uh, student loan question. I think some of the main worries of us seniors right now is definitely when the student loan people are going to come knocking on our door. So just a question for you guys, like, um, I guess, how long did it take you guys to start paying back your student loans after graduation, if you have student loans? Um, and do you find that, like, your current job is enough to, like, support those payments in addition to, like, supporting your lifestyle? Any student loan forgiveness tips that we don't know about yet? Run. <laughs> Just go off the grid, yep. <laughs> Any other tips? Um, go. go ahead. 
I know it's a little difficult because of all the things happening right now, but I guess during your time, um, what was this? <laughs> Our time? We're not that old. <laughs> a year or two ago. <laughs> Damn. Um, something that I will say about loans is depending on you know how much money you make, you can really talk to the person that manages your student loan. So if it's through the government, um, you have a better chance at creating payments, you know, that are 25 years for 25 years, but at the maximum lowest rate um, versus if there's a, if it's a private loan company, it's a little bit harder. I know that they come knocking on the door a lot faster. I have a lot of friends that have private loans and are not as fortunate as I am. So something that I personally did is I did a maximum graduate plan, which means I am now paying for my loans for about 28 years, 28 years, but at the very lowest possible rate I can. So it's like 125, which is really good. Because um, when they did it based on my income, even though it was way too much for me to, to pay, uh, I, I couldn't do it. So I was just like, what are my options? I asked as many questions as I can. I wrote everything down. Um, Dep- like I said, sometimes you'll get a really helpful person on the phone and sometimes you'll get someone who's just like, yeah, sorry, these are your loans. This is due at this time because I've had both of those experiences and I just have been lucky enough to get someone on the phone who cares. I did not refinance after like two, three years because you are eligible if you want to lower your interest rates. I, Like I said, since I'm on that like maximum graduated plan, which Insurers, I'm at least going to pay for 28 years at that minimum rate. That's that's how I navigated it and made sure that at this time I can pay that amount. But as I get a better job, as I start getting paid more, I can pay more and more, and then eventually it will um, lessen the amount of times. But because I couldn't afford right off the bat $400 payments, I was like. Let I'll sign up for whatever. I just need to make sure I can afford to start paying without being reprimanded at this point in my life. So, um, ask questions, I guess. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else have any tips for grads? All right. All right. We can move on to the next question. Thank you for that, Chelsea. I think that's kind of the one of the number one things that we're gonna have to start looking at for come May 9th. We only have like six months seven months <laughs> oh wow yeah we'll go look uh, hopefully with with what's going on though I would say make sure that you're calling because a lot of them are completely you know paused for right now until September um, always call and ask questions that's my number one thing if I don't know what the hell's going on with my loans I'm gonna call them and I'm gonna sit on the phone walk an hour and make sure that I leave the call at least having a better understanding of what I can expect Good to know. All right, now we have a finance question, which, yes, should be helpful just to um, seniors graduating soon. And it just has to do with like, what is the, I guess this might differ between between each of you guys' jobs, but I guess what's the salary range that you can kind of expect upon graduating and kind of looking for a job as like an entry level recent college grad? And I guess what would, what should seniors Maybe not what they should be looking for, but like what should they not sell themselves short on, I guess, if that makes sense. And feel free to not answer if this is too intrusive. 
Um, what I thought, so I thought that the average um, is like 55,000 from comparing multiple people. Um, I am fortunate enough to be making more than that, but I don't think that is, I think that is rare. And if you get that, be very um, safe, save like crazy, because that is a blessing if you make like above kind of like 55 like that you'll be able to still save there but really take advantage during this time where you don't have a house like kids you know to those extra expenses i have a dog right now i just got a puppy and she's blowing through my expenses but luckily i saved before i got her <laughs> but yeah just save uh, two points. One, I would definitely utilize Glassdoor. So starting salary is obviously going to change depending on what you want to do and uh, especially the industry, not just the job. Uh, that has a lot of good averages to kind of expect and consider and review. So use it as, as a resource, especially when you are negotiating starting salary, that is, it is a negotiation. Uh, second, uh, given again, these kind of larger macroeconomic conditions that we're in, uh, I would expect businesses to be more resistant to paying a starter uh, starting higher salary. And again, that's just like conditions. So uh, I would also keep that in mind. Thank you, Maxwell. Anyone um, lastly, I'll go. So for me as a vendor within their tech company, one thing that it's super important for people to know that I didn't know going in, right? Um, because they can say, oh, you're going to be an employee at Google. The only difference between a TVC and a FTE is that the staffing company pays for your checks and not Google. And with that, they really try to sell you on the brand. And because of that, the pay, if you're a TVC, is typically a lot less than what would be expected. So I also was expecting about that 55 range and since this was like three years ago, I totally don't mind like being very honest, but the offering rate with after negotiation was eighteen twenty five an hour. So it's pre-tax $35,000 a year. And they really will not budge on it. Or a lot of the vendor companies will not budge on those hourly wages because you're at Google, you get free food, you get the commuter benefits the gym all of that so they sell you on a lot of different things and i'm not gonna lie it works for the first year but after when you realize like wow i'm completely underpaid um nobody really cares about me as an employee it's it's a really tough thing to stick it stay in um so if you can negotiate more by all means please do but with recruiting companies it's a lot harder because they're taking so much of that initial pay that google is paying them to find you so um i would say make sure that you're able to live off the wages that you're offered for me i knew i was like okay i want to sacrifice not getting paid as much as i think i deserve so that i can get this experience so that i can leverage it into my next role because i knew that, that this wasn't going to be it forever um, and it was a much better thing to put on my resume rather than selling life insurance for a year. So weighed my pros and cons. And even though I was taking a huge pay cut, I was like, you know what, this is going to get me to where I want to be. So I'm going to sacrifice it. Um, and it paid off. So that's all. Yeah.
Can I piggyback off that? Um, I think Chelsea's like super. Uh, she she hinted hinted at the thing I was going to mention was make sure that you pay for your living. So for me, like personally, the one of the best classes at Menlo is the personal finance course. Your personal finances. I think that's such like a under like under under underestimated class because what that did for me was basically ingrained in my brain that. I have, per, I have expenses just to live as a person. Like, cause as a kid, you're just like, oh yeah, like I get, I get fed, I get, um, I get food, I get a house, I have all these things that are just given to me. But when you actually enter the real world, you have to realize, wait a minute, there's a cost for that. There's a cost for my phone, uh, for my internet, for my food, for my housing, for my heat, for my water, and all these things add up. So for me, basically, just like, it was really simple. I take what are all what are all my assets and all my expenses all and just basically figure out the whole thing. How much does it cost me just to make a to live per day um, for one month? And then I figure out how much that is per month. And then I know so I figure out so say for example it ended it it totaled up to say fifteen hundred per month. Say that's what it cost me to live. So you just divide that by thirty, and that's say $50 a day you have to make, give or take. And then, so then just 20, 20, add a couple, like $20 on that per day for Monday through Friday. So $70 a day, that's how much I need to make a day. I just need to make $70 a day. So that's more of an entrepreneurship mindset. And that's kind of like the valley of people I'm in because what we do is like, I was either contractors or it's like selling at something or it's like um, partnerships in that sense. So basically figure out what you need to make per day, find a job where you're basically making that amount per day and you're set for that. And that's how you survive. And there's ways to cheap to cut down what you were. <laughs> there's ways to cut down the cost of living. And I know this is a crazy leap of a jump because like it's, it's my experience, but this really works. Living in like a poor country, like I lived in Eastern Europe for during the summer and also the winter. My housing was cut down to like nothing. Food was about uh, less than 200 US dollars a month. That was really easy. That was awesome. Um, and a plane ticket to those countries doesn't cost as much as people think it is. Lived there for uh, three months working from say upwork.com as a, like a private contractor. I made a, some good money doing that. And I got cool experiences as well. And plus like other things, like I don't drink alcohol. So I cut out all expenses on alcohol. Um, I eat organic, I cook my own food. I don't go out to eat. I cut that all out. And I was able to do a lot more of the stuff I wanted to do. And I was able also to live a lot more cheaper. So for me, like just find the base salary amount of money that you need to make after tax. And that's a key to after tax. Um, and then calculate it from all the way ground up from there. When you do that, you're gonna just know, oh, I only need to make this much today. You make that much, then you can chill out. And that's a really good feeling. That's, that assures you, that roots you. It makes you really like locked and grounded, like boom, okay, cool. I'm set for today. I've done what I need to do. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, you guys have provided just like a lot of amazing advice just on like budgeting, what to ask for, how to ask for it. I think that's definitely going to be one of the things that up future graduates 
have to deal with, especially dealing with housing in the Bay Area. Unfortunately, it's not as cheap and nice as it is in Hungary. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, thank you so much. We're gonna move on to the next topic. We have about five more minutes, so we'll try and get through at least one to two more questions before we go. Josh, do you wanna go with yeah. that? So this topic is about like mental health. Um, I understand that when we're living and working in the Silicon Valley or just living and working in general, um, it can get a little stressful. Um, from my personal experience during my internship, I was always doing work after the clock, which is dangerous and I shouldn't be doing that. But um, so the question is, how do you prioritize yourself when you feel like work is your responsibility or that you have to complete all your tasks before leaving the office? if you guys have experienced that or have figured out the, that system. Oh yeah. Um, I got to such a point, one point where I was working about, I think, um, let's just say I wasn't like, I was sleeping way less than like when I was awake. Um, yeah. I was working too much. So for me, the thing that certified when I need to stop working is simply just knowing I'm the priority, protect the asset. I'm the asset, not the work. I'm the, I'm the asset. If I protect this, this will get done better and in less time and it'll be more enjoyable. So for me, like there's this great book called Essentialism um, by Greg McCohen. He, uh, he's a professor at Harvard. I'm sorry, not Harvard, Stanford, just down the road from us. Um, he talks about this thing of saying no to certain things. And one of the things he, uh, he delegates a whole chapter to is saying uh, is protecting the asset. And that's your body. Get good sleep, eat well, be good, go easy on yourself. Treat yourself like a friend. Don't treat yourself like you are some machine and some cog in it because at the end of the day, you're not. And so um, mental health for me wise, like I, I was really suffering at one point from working too much. And I just simply just said, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I refuse to do this to myself. I'm not gonna do it. And if someone tells me to not to do it, then that's not a place that's actually good for me to work at because it doesn't align with my values. And it took, out, it took trial and error to figure that out. And it took a, a while before I actually realized that. But when I did, like, I just simply realized, like, I need structure, I need a schedule, and I need a separation. Like, when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm at work, I'm at work. Um, I'm not perfect at that. I still mess up. Like, it's weird working from your house now, and you're like, wait a minute, like, this is my office? That's weird. And, like, it's just, it throws you off. But you can do it, and you create also this mental space in the sense of just mentally kind of imagine it separate. Like, cool, like, that's my personal life. This is my work life. Um, but if it's like, you want to combine it and you want it to be, uh, together in the sense of like, my work is my life, be careful with that. But, um, there are ways in which you can have a balance with that as well. Um, and I mean, some people follow their passion. They say, what's the saying? It's like, do what you love. You never work a day. It's like, yeah, that's basically, that should be your goal. <laughs> Find that you can do it. I swear. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. I think um, I think something that's been helpful to me is 
just finding what makes you happy. You know, if for me, that's relaxing after a hard week and just sleeping in all week. Like if, so, if you have something that makes that you really enjoy and helps you relax and it's like, it's not dangerous to you, it's legal, you know, like enjoy it, like spend your time. And I used to feel really bad about like hearing from coworkers that they, they have the energy to go on 13 mile hikes or to, um, you know, go and go to the beach or something like that. And that, that isn't how, that's how they relax. Like that isn't how I relax. So I, I stopped feeling guilty about not going out there and doing it. Or now I work up my energy on the weekends to make a trip and go. So, um, and then I just want to say like, don't be afraid if, if work becomes too much and you have too many stressors, don't be afraid to go and seek out um, a mental health a mental health counselor or a therapist even too. That can be extremely beneficial. And there's this handy thing I learned called the sliding scale. So if you're after, if you're graduated and Menlo is very, very convenient in having counselors on campus, but if you're post-graduation and you're making a small amount of money worried about paying it and it's not in your insurance, there are specific therapists who offer a sliding scale based on your current income. So you can still, there are tons of resources out there to receive that help and you should never be ashamed of that. It's extremely helpful. So um, yeah, find what you love to do, find what you love to relax and seek help when you need it. That's what I have to say. Got that written down, sliding scale. Good. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Anyone else? Chelsea, Max? No, I'm good. Yeah. Perfect. Good advice. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm good too. Awesome. All righty then. That uh, wraps up our young alumni panel. Um, we would just like to extend our gratitude and thank yous again to Katie, Chelsea, Richard, and Maxwell for being able to give us and feed us this knowledge um, as juniors go into the senior position or as seniors go into this world that you're in. Um, anything else, Ash, on that? Not really, yeah. Thank you guys. Such helpful information. I think anyone who watches this will definitely, um, definitely get a lot of important information that they need to take, take into consideration no matter what grade, no matter what major that they're in. Um, just a reminder to any students that are watching this either in the future or now, um, if you have any questions specifically for any of our panelists, feel free to email them to the MCSGA email and we can forward them onto them so they can answer and help you out in any way that you need. But yeah, other than that, thank you again for coming and stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leverage Your Potential podcast. Episodes are posted weekly and can be found on our blog at blog.menlo.edu slash career dash services slash. Make it a great day.